Amen. Uh, grab your Bibles. Acts chapter 16 is my text tonight. And my message is entitled, Your Midnight Miracle. Your Midnight Miracle. God is able to move in the darkest hour. Does anybody believe that? He knows all about it. When we do not know the why, God knows exactly what he is doing. Praise God. This young lady said to me this morning, you don't understand, Pastor. I've known God. I was raised in the church, but I have nothing to live for. And I said, you have everything to live for. And the presence of God is going to speak to you right now. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that can answer prayer right at the very moment? Acts chapter 16, verse 25. If you would read with me, your midnight miracle is my message tonight. Verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. That doesn't sound like they were whispering, sweet Jesus. They were praising God. Hallelujah. And the miracle astounded them all. Look, listen to verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Praise God. Let's put our Bibles down and let's ask God to anoint his word tonight and our hearts to receive the word. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. Talk to somebody today. Lord, somebody passing by. Let the Holy Ghost stir their hearts, oh God. I pray for those in this building today. It may be July and it may be a night service, but you have a plan for us, oh God. I pray that you will help us in our midnight, Jesus. Speak to us and let your will be done. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let's clap our hands one more time before we're seated. I feel a joy and excitement here tonight. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Amen. And you please be seated. Thank you. The, your midnight miracle. I want to talk about it tonight, not because it's something new, but because it's something very, very important. I feel like after this morning's message, I have sensed all... Oh, the last several months that revival is in the air at Apostolic Tabernacle. That there is a true hunger and desire for God to do something mighty. And that, of course, is why, now listen, that is why the devil fights the people of God. When they begin to get close to revival, the devil begins to send that flood and try to destroy revival. But how many knows God is greater than any enemy that we face? So the miracle that comes in your darkest hour, that can be the most powerful miracle that you ever have. When you are in the most difficult time of your life, that can be the time of your most powerful miracle. That can be your midnight miracle. Is anybody listening to me tonight? Midnight miracles are always by God's design, and they are designed for greatness. They are designed for a mighty God to do the impossible. Hallelujah. God can do the impossible. And, of course, we believe that, and you believe that. Miracles are always by God's design. But the darkest hour, the miracle that surfaces in your darkest hour is a revival miracle. And the Holy Ghost is reminding us that we are, in fact, approaching the midnight hour. Now, I think prophetically there's no doubt in my mind about it. We are approaching the midnight hour of the world. The, the, the hand is, is literally about to go straight to midnight. We are at the midnight hour, and I believe that God has reserved his greatest power for the last hour in our lives. 
Hallelujah. I'm not just applying this to prophecy, but I'm telling you that we are living in a midnight hour, that the oil in your lamp, it's now time. It is high time you get oil in your lamp. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we're approaching midnight. Praise God. Now, when, when we're approaching midnight, Sister French, I, I, um, I'm not a midnight person. I'm an early person. I do good in early morning hours, but by midnight, it's good night. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, hallelujah. But that's not helping us advance this message. But what I'm trying to tell you is that midnight is not always convenient. It's not always convenient. And uh, sometimes Folks will call late at night, and, and if they do, if I'm able to, <laughs> if I'm able to communicate, hello, did you say Dr. Bell? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't say Bell. Um, uh, yes, hold on just a moment, and then I have to, you know, figure out uh, where I'm at and who I am. And so I'm just not a night, I'm not a late night person. It's just not the way I am. But no matter what your orientation to the hour may be, some people are night people. I remember when I was our assistant pastor's age, I was a night owl. Yeah, I didn't, you know, make noises or anything, but I was a night owl. And I would stay, I would even say, I'm going to stay up all night. And I would study, I'd, I'd go on marathon, <laughs> Sister French, was good. I drove her crazy. And then I don't know what happened. One day I just went, We used to drive on it. I'd say, let's, we had to go from Maine one time all the way to clear across the country. And I said, I'll just drive, man, I'll drive. I was so energized because I'm, I'm kind of a high-energy person. But at midnight, the bunny starts closing down. I can beat that drum a whole lot, but about midnight, then the drum is going to go somewhere. I just suddenly, and I'm finding it more so. Because I know I'm young and you're startled by that. But it is true. But regardless of my orientation to the hour, let me tell you something, my friend. We, we're in a day when regardless of how dark it is or how much trouble there is or what you may think the hour is, there are things that happen to people that startle you awake. You are suddenly brought to attention no matter what you may normally be. And suddenly you're looking around and you're seeing that things are not as we thought they would be. And sometimes people are taken back because they cannot comprehend what is going on in their life. And I believe that we, we don't have to understand what is happening in our lives. We don't even have to see it clearly. I was... Um, told someone the young people had set this table out. Well, I, I knew they had done it, but and then they put a black tablecloth on it, and uh, and and I had forgotten they set the left the table in the hall. Well, I walked through the church and I hardly ever turned lights on, and so I was just walking right along. Like I can tell, I have little guide. Like I can go any just about anywhere. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling this. Um, but anyway, sometimes like early in the really early, way before the sun ever comes up. And so I just came walking through the hall and I was so accustomed to walking down the hallway. But I forgot they had a table with a black tablecloth on it and it was as dark as it could be. And I mean, I just walked flam into that table just like that. And then I was on top of the table. And at first I was, I was trying to think, what, what's going on here? And then I remembered the, the, the table with the black tablecloth. That I've just, I've just, I'm on it. 
Sometimes we don't understand and sometimes we feel a little a little foolish about what happens and we think, Lord, why, why is that happening? I, 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 why? It's not the way I thought it was going to be. But we don't have to understand. But in our desperation, we need to hold to his hand. No matter what it is we comprehend, we may not understand the prison of our circumstances, but we trust you, Lord, for the power of the miracle of the midnight hour. You're the God that knows all about it. Hallelujah. Now you'll never have another preacher use a table, a black tablecloth and give you that kind of analogy. That'll probably be the last time you ever hear that analogy. The great apostle Paul to the Gentiles went from being blinded and converted and filled with the spirit in chapter 9 of the book of Acts to a powerful ministry that put hell on notice in chapter 13, which included the blinding of a false prophet. So in other words, here was a man that dared come against God, and he just said, you're going to be blind, and God blinded Elamus, and he wasn't able to see. The Bible said he got a covering over his eyes, and God halted the devil. How many are thankful when God intervenes on your behalf? Yes, God's able to intervene. He's a God that can intervene and he can take care of. Here's the apostle uh, Paul uh, seeing miracles take place. And, you know, he'd been the persecutor of the church, but God had turned the thing completely around. And the apostle Peter was at the tail end of his the, the, the depth of his ministry because all the rest of Acts is going to focus on the apostle Paul. And let me tell you something tonight. The ministry of the church and the kingdom of God is not about whether it's the Apostle Peter or the Apostle Paul and who's being recognized. It is not about who's getting the award and who's getting the recognition. It's about is God getting the glory. And the Apostle Peter in his final moments, the last story of the book of Acts, we have the Apostle Peter. <laughs> Hallelujah. James was beheaded and God said it may be that this has happened, but I'm still able to deliver my people. I'm able to touch my people. And so the Apostle Peter, the Bible tells us, was arrested in the, and we preached a whole message on it. And, and they said, well, well, we'll do to Peter because, man, the people really liked it when we killed James. And God said, oh, let me tell you, you know, let me, let me say tonight, the devil does not have any power against God. Zero. No, he has zero power against God. Whatever power he uses or has, he only has it by God allowing him to exist. He has absolutely no power of God. There's no battle going on. There's no, there's no sword fighting. They're not going down here. Wham, 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 wham. You're not going to have a preacher have a sword fight for you either. Probably for a long time. Do you do sword fight when you're preaching? Not very often. See, you only get this. You know, on rare moments. But the devil is not fighting God and God's going, oh my goodness, come on, call in the forces. No, it's not happening that way. That's not what's going on. No, sir. Every bit of what's going on in this world, even right now, kings and presidents and, and Republicans and Democrats and communists and, and, and everybody in this world, whatever they're doing, whatever authority, whatever power they have, they have it because God has allowed it. So when I hear these, I'm hearing more and more of these movie stars who need to get an education. They need to get a brain. Okay? And I know people love them, and they're millionaires. And they're arrogantly expressing their religious, and they have every right to do so. They have every right. It's a free country. They have, a, they have every right to express just how absolutely religiously bankrupt they are. They can express it all day long. But they wouldn't have a penny and they wouldn't have a single voice if God did not allow it.
Because one of these days he's going to walk in saying, hey, bud, oh, I'm a movie star. Fine, you're coming with me because I'm the God of the universe. I'm taking care of business. So Herod was eaten up by worms. And they threw the apostle into prison. And the Bible says that Peter was delivered from prison by an angel who literally grabbed him by the hand and walked him to the street. Hallelujah. And when he got to the church, they wouldn't let him in. But I'm the pastor. Sorry, that's got to be his angel, they said, which is one of the great interesting moments of the book of Acts. That cannot be the apostle Peter because he's in prison. That might be his angel. I mean, the more I think of it, the more I want to preach about it. They thought it might be his angel, but it couldn't be the apostle Peter. You want to know why? Because God was doing something so awesome, they could not comprehend it. It was beyond their comprehension. Anybody feeling faith here tonight that God can do beyond our comprehension? He can do beyond even our strength to receive it. Amen. One wonders how anyone can believe in dead religion when you read these kind of events in the book of Acts. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, how can people, I mean, maybe they don't, some people might say to me, well, I don't know why you dance like that. And you try to explain it, and they say, well, show me in the Bible that you, you go take two steps over here, and then you go four steps back. And, and they want, you know, they want exact uh, steps to the dance. You can say, well, David danced before the Lord. Oh, well, exactly how did he, did he, maybe he just waved his hand. Well, if you think waving your hand is dancing, then that may be, but I don't think that was dancing. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I do not comprehend how people can read about a God in the midst of their greatest torment. The apostle James is killed. Peter is put in prison. And God says, I didn't deliver James. I have a reason. And he's come to glory. But here's my man in the prison. And come on, brother. Get down there and take care of my apostle and lead him out of there. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, that just makes me want to have church. When I read about it and I read the book of Acts, of course, I realize, Lord, and anybody here want to have what they had in the book of Acts? Does anybody here want to see revival like they had in the book of Acts? Come on, let's lift our hands and talk to them a little bit. Father, we want revival. We want revival. We want revival. Now, we call ourselves apostolic because we long for the acts of the apostles. I long for it. I'm often questioned about why I refuse Trinitarian baptism. And I will say because the apostles never baptized in the Trinity. Never. I've had people, I used to be a Trinitarian and, and, and when I was convinced that, that Jesus was not just in the Godhead, that he was the Godhead and I became oneness, I would have people say, well, uh, why does it matter to you? In fact, I was asked, I was in a meeting. Uh, this church was aware of it, but I was invited to an international meeting of Pentecostal scholars. And they, they were focusing on the final night on four oneness people. I was chosen to be one. And I was, they, my book was presented. And they were emphasizing the Jesus name movement and so forth. And I was speaking on behalf of why... I felt so strongly that I had to be rebaptized in Jesus' name, even though I'd been baptized as a Trinitarian. And I said, and it was true, that I would have been baptized in Jesus' name once I came to an understanding whether I would have embraced the oneness of God or not. That's what I told them. I said, in fact... 
I embraced Jesus' name baptism before I was oneness. I already knew that the Bible taught Jesus' name baptism. And someone said, they've said through the years, then why are you so convinced? Why is it so important to you? Because I want to preach what the Bible and what the apostles preached. I want to have what the apostles had. And I want to live in the, in the shadow of the apostles. And I want what they had. Hallelujah. You'd be surprised how many so-called Pentecostals today. And I don't mean oneness people necessarily. But how many Pentecostals today are they're fading in their desire. They're fading in, the, in their desire to be like people in the Bible. They've got far too many other loves that they're chasing after. But don't forget, with all that desire to be like the apostles, which I have and I know you have, that Paul went from the miracle that I just described and that miracle, I was talking about the Apostle Peter a moment ago. The angel led him out. You know, that was really his last great miracle in the book of Acts. And then it was all handed over to the Apostle Paul. You know, sometimes it's hard for people. But I believe that when a church is in the midst of revival, they do not care who gets the credit. What they care about is that's the word of God. That's the Holy Ghost. That's what God is doing. Praise God. And Paul went from a miracle of causing a man to go blind because he dared to be a false voice in the midst of what God was doing to walking into Iconium and Lystra and being stoned to death because he dared to heal a man that had never walked. So they stoned him to death. So what are you saying, Pastor? I am trying to emphasize tonight that the miracles that take place in the darkness are not just happenstance miracles. They are proofs that no matter what you are facing and the fact that you're facing a hardship, listen to me, you may be facing ridicule, you may be facing rejection, you may be in pain, you may be suffering, but God is bigger than your problem. Hallelujah. God is an awesome God. Hallelujah. I don't think Paul sat around saying, oh, I'm so glad they stoned me and bashed me my head in with those stones. I doubt he ever said that. We have no record. I'm not trying. Well, I am trying to speak for him, but I just said I doubt he ever did it. I just don't think he went around saying, man, I loved it when they were stoning me. And oh, man, that first stone hit me in the head. They killed him and drug him out of Lystra. And left him out on the edge of the city. In the Bible, we, we looked at it last week. The, the gathered around him, the Bible says, and, and they begin to pray, and God just raised him up. It was just as natural as if, as if people was raised from the dead every single day. And I want to tell you, say, well, that was, and I know it's good. I'm not, I'm not trying to undermine the notion that these things happen to encourage people. Of course it was. It was very encouraging to think. I mean, just think if you were a Christian and your preacher was stoned to death, which I'm praying he's not. I have no interest whatsoever in being stoned to death. And if you think that's weird, you're weird. I'm no interest in being stoned. Lord, I want to be poor. Help me to be poor. Help me to be stoned to death. How dumb would that be? I hope somebody kills me, Lord. Well, that would be stupid. Don't wish that for one minute. But I want to tell you something, devil. You can send every imp in hell against the church of God and you are no match to the power of a God that can work in the darkest moment of my life. That's the God I'm serving. That's the God I'm serving. Every indication is that they gathered around and they prayed. I, I don't mean they weren't startled. I think they were. I'm thinking more about the apostle himself. It's just, I don't know this, but 
But let's just let me preach, okay? When you, it's your time, you can preach it. But I just think he, he there he was. I don't want to be uh, uh, over dramatic here, but you cannot be stoned to death and look like you just went to have your portrait made. Okay? You can't be stoned to death. If the stones killed you, then that was dramatic in ways that I will not vulgarize this pulpit to describe. But it was horrible. And there he lay. And they were quite satisfied with their demise of this man that they now hated because he dared to cause a man that never walked to be healed and start walking. And so they drug him out of the town, left him for dead. And so I, I, my impression is, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, this is a, I've never preached about it before, so it's the first time I've, uh, I mean, I have recently, but I mean, in previous years, never preached it. And so my idea from Scripture is that they sort of, you know, as they drug, drug, dragged, help me, Sister French, dragged, as they dr drugged? No, I think drugged is not good. And drag, drugged is like heroin. No? Well, uh, they pulled him right out of the city and they left him there. And my idea is they started coming out like this, sort of careful, having not the slightest idea what was coming next. Probably thinking uh, funeral arrangements, uh, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? I'm sure there were. I'm quite sure. I can tell you, sister so-and-so was crying her eyes out. I will promise you that. She was over there, Jesus, 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 Jesus. They, they gathered around and some, and they were so, and, and some, some of the stronger men were thinking, oh my goodness, how could they do this? And as they begin to pray, he just sort of straightened up and, and started moving around and got up and said, okay, let's head on to the next, the next town because the apostle Paul was called of God and God had a plan and God had put him in that direction. Praise God. Let's just praise him one more time. Come on, let's clap our hands and praise him one more time. He went from the miracle to the stoning and left for dead. But God knows what he's doing. God just raised him up just like he'd raised up. So here, here's my thoughts on it. Uh, and I, I'm going to hurry. I'm not going to be forever, but give me a moment here. Just as oh, just as the man of God, <laughs> Hallelujah! You know, every once in a while, your preacher needs some encouragement, and ever and so here's the man of God. He reaches over like this, and so he prays for the man, and all of a sudden, a man that had never walked gets up and begins to praise and shout and and run around, and so he's real excited, man. I mean, you know, if someone brought a man in here that had never walked come right down here and brought him up and I went over and said just like I would anybody I don't care what it is I'd pray in Jesus name and have faith and believe and trust God thy will be done and I'd lay hands and he's in a wheelchair or whatever he's in and then all of a sudden he jumps out of the wheelchair and starts running around. And I, I, I'd be going, oh, ha, oh, hallelujah. I mean, that's a lot of emotion. Here's a man, hopeless. No one could do a thing for him. And God miraculously uses the ministry God gave you. And you, this man is raised from his affliction. Oh, hallelujah. And then the people all came on to worship, thought it was thought it was a God fallen from heaven. And when they realized it wasn't a God, they said, well, then we'll kill you. And so they killed him. Just think of the emotion in all of that from raising a man that had never walked to the very man that he laid his hands on being stoned to death. But just, now listen to me. 
Just as God had raised the lame man, God applied the same. This is for you, Brother French, where I'm talking to us. He used the same miracle power that God used to work through the man of God. He then raised up the man of God with the same power. He just raised him up and said, here's my man. This is my man. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm talking about midnight. God is able. He can raise either the lame or he can raise up those that have never been lame before. He can raise them up in his power. So you say, but I'm not lame, Brother French. I'm not the... I've, I've been walking. I'm, I'm really not talking about the ability to walk. I'm talking about the impossibilities that you have no control over. God is able to make them possible because that's the God that we're serving. Hallelujah. Can we love him one more time? Can we just love him one more time? The Holy Ghost is talking to us. <laughs> he can use... You to touch others and then touch you in your crises. Praise God. If I didn't believe what I'm preaching, I wouldn't stand behind this pulpit. I wouldn't stand behind this pulpit. We have one motivation as ministry in this church. We may never meet the mark. We may never be good enough. But our expectation is that we want to be like the apostles. We want to be like the Bible says. Hallelujah. 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 The miraculous was all for the glory of God. Whether it was a layman or the preacher. And let me tell you why many people are failing in revival. Because they're trying to lap up all the glory. That's why I'm, I'm just wondering if television ministry does much good for people. Because so much of it just is all about, you know, and they used to be holding this, but now we're on television, but we got we to gotta put all this stuff on so we look really, really gorgeous on television. Well, that's all about vanity. That has nothing to do with the glory of God. I'm not trying to judge every man's heart. I'm not attempting to condemn every individual. But I'm telling you, I have no desire for that. My desire is that I be like the apostles. That I live and preach the apostles' doctrine. Hallelujah. He didn't mean that life would be easy when we give the glory back to God. Or that we won't face a midnight experience. The Apostle Paul learned it very quickly in the first chapters of his ministry that you can raise them up and then the devil will try to strike you down. But the same God that's in your hand is the same God that raises up the ministry. Praise you, Jesus. Praise God. It's an assurance that the power of the miraculous fills the darkest hours of our lives. It could be, it could be uh, anything. I'd, I'd be careful there. It could be anything that brings concern and it seems impossible. For example, I, I highly doubt that anyone, I've never known it. I don't know of it. I, I don't know of it, so forgive me if I'm wrong. But I don't know of anyone that's ever overcome age. I don't know that anyone could say they never got old. And I see no Bible that says we should be praying for people because we'd be praying day and night if that's the prayer we were supposed to. People would be coming day and night in here. If we could reverse age, this would be the biggest church in all of Georgia. I'm not saying it isn't something, I mean, sure, if you could reverse age, I mean, wouldn't that be, I'm talking about reversing age. I don't mean stopping it. You know, I'm, I'm 61, so I'm stopping at 61. No, I don't want to stop at 61. I want to go back to 31. 
I mean, if I'm going to fiddle around with age, then I'll just go back to a time would give me more time. That wouldn't make sense. But it's not possible. And it is not the will of God for us to consider foolishness that is not possible. That's why I do not fret myself with emptying out hospitals and proving to people that God is powerful. I know God is powerful. It matters not what men say. We are the book of Acts church and we will be a mighty church in the midnight hour. We are going to have revival. Praise God. The wonder of wonders is the reason that God allowed Paul and Silas to end up in that deep, dark Philippian jail. You say, well, it was that damsel who kept crying out, these are the servants of the Most High God. Day after day, the Bible said. Well, yes, yes, that happened. I'm not denying that. Verse 18 says, Paul being grieved said, Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus. I'm going to throw in, the King James won't say this, but I'll throw it in. I command you to shut up. That's not, did that sound too harsh, Sister French? That was rough. Okay. Well, at least I got to say it one time. Hallelujah. Devil, I want you, I can't say shut up, so I'm going to say, I want you to come out of her. How dare you think that you can taunt and come against what God desires. God is greater than any force that possesses that girl. And my God is able to deliver her and bring her back to her right mind. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And the demon was cast out. And you say, yeah, they got mad and so they threw him in prison. But that's, that's not what I'm talking about. That was what they put in the court records. Divinator girl lost all of her income and these ridiculous Pentecostals came along and took her powers away. That was in the report. I'm not talking about what they put in the report. Demon damsel delivered. That was on the head that was the headlines. Demon damsel delivered. No more money making. The King James correctly translates it divination, but very few of us, uh, well, it might be difficult to figure out what we mean when we say divination. We kind of get a spooky idea, but... But I'm just going to tell you, it's fortune telling. That's exactly what the Greek says. It was the thought that she could tell people things. And it was the devil trying to make people think he, she could know things about them that they wouldn't have known otherwise. And we're living in an age. I want to tell you something, folks. We're living in a dark age where we need to be very careful what we're fooling around with. We need to be careful what we're fooling around with. No more money making on the fortune teller. But for Every angry demon that thinks it's pushing God's church around, God has a plan for your darkest moment. And it works for your good. He knows exactly what's best for you. He knows the day you're going to go to glory. Paul and Silas believed that because they were preparing for their midnight miracle. They were worshiping God. The greatest way to have a miracle is to worship. If you worship, you're preparing for a miracle. And how did they worship? Did you catch that a moment ago? How did they start it off? They prayed. 
Oh, I, I would to God we'd have a revival of prayer. Come on, let's pray for just a moment. Father, I pray that we'll be gripped with prayer. I pray that our hearts will long for prayer. I pray that we will quit making excuses for why we're not praying. I pray revival will come into our, that prayer will come into our worship, oh God. They didn't give up. They prayed. They were praying at that dark hour. The Bible says it was the inner prison, but there's a Greek word here, so I don't have to guess what the inner prison was. It's a Greek word that means a dungeon. Now, I know from historical records, I could be right or wrong because there is some debate about it, but they have found a, a hewn-out stone that was part of a prison in uh, Philipp, uh, uh, Philippi, and they... Uh, believe that was probably the one. I don't know that it was, but but I'm told that this was the prison. But the fact of the matter is that would be a perfect place because to describe it as an inner dungeon. In other words, here's the prison, but in the prison there was like a, a place inside where they had to lower the prisoners into this like a cistern. It probably was at one time filled with water. And they begin to use it as a place to just lower people down and just leave them till they're dead and or whatever they were going to do. And that was the dungeon. We're told this was a hewn out stone pit into which offenders were lowered after being shackled. Now, the King James says they were in bonds, which is perfectly correct. But it's the Greek word desma, which is very clear what that word means. It means either change or what we would call fetters. Does anybody know what I mean if I say fetters? I, I didn't say feathers. Okay. They didn't grow feathers. I said fetters. Okay. Fetters could be a multiple of things. That's why the oftentimes you just translate it bonds. It could be uh, most likely chains, but not necessarily. But then it gets a little more uh, specific, and they use the Greek word zulon, which is a Greek word that means wooden stock. So there's no question, no doubt about it, no question at all. They used a, a device. They put their hands and their feet in wooden stocks. That's what Zulan means. A wooden device where they hew, uh, they, whatever they do, they make a hole there where you put your hand in, they lower the wooden device over your hands and your feet, and you're not able. It's a, it's a way to humiliate, but this means they did this on top of the fetters and the chains and the locks and everything. And we get worried if someone doesn't like our preaching. The preacher, well, Brother French, they, I had people come and, and they said you were just kind of emotional. Well, they probably thought that because I was quite emotional. Don't you think? They probably thought that I was emotional because I was. You remember when I ran across the front of the church like a lightning streak? That was pretty emotional. So they had to then try to decide, is this weird or is this, do, do I like it or not like it and, and so forth. But let me tell you something, church. Sometimes people will get it and sometimes they won't. But we are not designing our preaching to make sinners happy. We're designing our preaching to have apostolic revival that's what we're doing that's what we're doing by the way plenty of sinners to criticize the preacher plenty of sinners although I want to be clear I have never been criticized once I've just ended tonight my sixth year and on Sunday morning I will be preaching in my seventh year in Georgia and I was, have never been criticized, not one time. Don't tell me you heard it because I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone coming to me. Now, I had a call one time about three years ago, a one first-time visitor. And they called me at the office and said, I was there Sunday morning, and I wanted to tell you what I disagree with. And I said, oh, thank you so much. And he said, I don't agree that there should be emotion in church. And I don't agree that preachers should be 
trying to get people to be um, all into experience. That's what he said. And I said, and, and you are a Baptist, aren't you? He said, well, how did you know? <laughs> I said, I didn't know. I was guessing, but um, that described the Baptist church to me just then. And I said, and therefore, you're probably very, very comfortable in your Baptist church. I'm curious why you were at the tabernacle Sunday. Because you're Baptist. He said, well, I don't like Pentecostals. So I wanted to come and let you know that. So he really wasn't evaluating me at all. He was evaluating you. He was evaluating Pentecostals. That's what he was doing. And I said, I thank you for it. And I think I will remain a Pentecostal. I intend to remain a Pentecostal. And I appreciate your faith and your desire to be Baptist and so forth. But I am not a Baptist. I speak in tongues almost every day. And by the way, I just want to make sure you understand that I was very calm on Sunday. You need to come back. Praise God. Hallelujah. I am not intimidated. We are not intimidated by somebody thinking it ought to be a certain way. It didn't stop these apostolics at midnight. They were getting ready for a miracle. And that miracle included a, an earthquake that was going to be precision. Praise God. Now, I'm almost done. But this is the only place in the Bible I know of where they had what I'm calling. And I'm, if you find this somewhere, it's me. Put it on the, on the uh, uh, what do we have, a, a website. And what's that called on there? A place where they go hear the sermons. Anyway, the, the broadcast, the podcast. Is it getting close to midnight? Okay, um, the podcast. I want, well, it'll be on the podcast, won't it? Because I'm saying it. All right, so it'll be on the podcast. A precision quake. In other words, it shook the whole prison. And it knocked the doors off so they could all escape, but nobody did. Just knocked the doors off. The Bible says it shook the foundation. So that could mean a lot of things. I'm not trying to presume something false here, but I'm trying to show you that this was a miracle. This was not just an earthquake. It was a precision quake. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody today needs to recognize that God knows exactly how to handle it. He knocked off the doors, and he then, now listen, 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 listen. I'm talking to somebody. You tell me an earthquake that can knock the locks off of your chains. I want to know anywhere in the history of the world where an earthquake knocked all the locks off of everybody's chains. An earthquake came, and everyone's locks shook off, fell to the ground doesn't happen because that's not what earthquakes do earthquakes shake earth if a lock breaks well I'm sure it could break a lock I'm not saying that but for every single prisoner and every single door to the doors I get it because the doors were attached to to the earth that, that I get but it was a precision quake because God used the shaking of the foundations I'm talking to the devil right now. Devil, God will shake your foundations. The prisons that bind men are going to be shaken by a precision touch of a mighty God. Our God is greater than any divinator or any devil. He can shake the locks off of their hands. This was a miracle. But this was God's earthquake. <laughs> the reason for the midnight shackles, the reason was for one. So what was the reason for shackles being broken and an earthquake? And I know you're going to say it. It's okay. I'm just going to beg to differ. Well, it was to get the Apostle Paul out of there. He could have sent a helicopter 
He could have done all kinds of things. Now, I know they didn't have helicopters, but do you think God could have? Well, don't answer that. If he wanted to send a helicopter, he could have figured out a way. Or he could have done anything. The earthquake was not just to deliver Paul because Paul didn't go anywhere. He didn't leave. The Bible says that the jailer who was over the prison grabbed his sword and was going to kill himself. And then we discover the reason for the miracle. God had a man. <laughs> oh, come on, church. Could you pray with me for just a moment? God had a man. He was reaching for somebody. Hallelujah. He was reaching for the jailer of the jail. Who would have thought that the jailer was ready to turn to God? And God used an earthquake. Now, of course, it delivered Paul. The chains fell. It proved to everyone God was doing a miracle. I'm not denying it. But every bit of it was designed to draw one man to God. Just one man. A jailer. I don't know. If, I've never read anywhere of anybody knowing what his name was. Somebody knew his name. Paul knew what his name was. But he never tells us his name. He just tells us that God sent a mighty miracle in the depths of Paul's adversity and in the midst of the chains and the laughs. I can just see Paul looking and saying, look at these. Hey, Silas. Silas was probably the songwriter. Don't you think, Sister French, Silas was probably... Because Paul does, was not a songwriter. He probably rewrote every song that he ever heard. Amazing grace. Oh, well, hallelujah. He just rewrote every song. But Silas, man, he looked at those locks and he saw that and then he said, man, they must think we're really dangerous. We ought to prove to them we really are. I mean, why go to all this trouble and not let him see what God can do? How about you, Paul? Remember that song I wrote last week? God is great. Oh, and greatly to be praised. And Paul said, no, no, I've, I've got new words to it. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is great. He's mighty in this place. Hallelujah. Folks, I want to tell you something. God can take the midnight moment and bring his greatest miracle to your life that you've ever seen before. Praise God. And in the midst of your miracles, now listen to me, we don't need to be ashamed of the miracle power of God because that is the evidence to the jailer that God's going to shake hell's foundation. Hell may think he's holding us, but it is not holding us. Hallelujah. This flesh, Paul said, hey, I, I may go on to glory, but that's okay with me because I I, I'm winning either way. God is great and God is awesome. Praise God. Who could have imagined that this jailer would turn? Certainly not the apostle Paul. There's no indication that he had the slightest. Of course, we, we do have evidence that when Paul was in prison, he witnessed and many jailers were saved. This may have been the beginning of it. Oh, hallelujah. We have evidence from history. There are books written about the stories of men. There are whole novels written about the folklore that the apostle Paul witnessed to every jailer that he was ever under. And when he was in arrest in Rome, they say that every they had to change the guards regularly. Because they would become Christians. I suspect it started here. Paul said, the Lord was showing me it's not impossible. The very one that's trying to hold my hands and tie me down and take my spirit is the very one that God is working on right now. 
Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. Let's stand all across the building. I want us to lift our hands and tell the Lord that we believe he can do anything. Lord, you can touch my neighbor. You can touch my brother. You can touch my son, my daughter. You can touch my boss. Lord, you can touch my family. Hallelujah. We're trusting God in all of this. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. The devil thinks that he's in control, but he's weak at best. Our God is in charge of it all. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. God can take the very one that thinks he's holding me down, and God can bring him back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, of course, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. I want us to pray. Come on, let's start gathering toward the front. You know the jailer called for a light. He heard Paul's voice. He didn't kill himself with the sword. And he, Paul said, do thyself no harm. And this man was baptized at midnight. Let me tell you something. That's how I feel about baptism. If we got a baptism at midnight, that's how important baptism is. It's not something you put off till tomorrow and you get baptized in his name. Praise God. I feel like there's a jailer quake coming to the apostolic tabernacle. I wonder if we could lift our hands right now. Let's ask God to send us a jailer. Father, you can send us someone that's bound by the very chains that they wish to put upon us. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. It may be a dark hour. There may be stocks and bonds upon us. And no God, the miracle is coming because you're a miracle-working God. Thank you, Jesus. And the jailer cried out, What must I do to be saved? Hallelujah. I wonder if we could pray together for just a moment that God will help us to tell our generation what they must do to be saved. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, let revival come. Let our hearts be blessed, O oh Lord. Praise God. Praise God. I know God is great in my soul. I know God is great and greatly to be praised. Well, God is great. Hallelujah. God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great. Great in my soul. Hallelujah. Okay, I feel I, I don't I, I don't want to embarrass anybody and if I just I'm gonna obey the Lord. I feel like somebody wants prayer tonight. You need a miracle, and God has spoken to you that you can receive it. I want you to just come and we're gonna anoint you right now. Just come and stand right here. You need a miracle. Not maybe not for yourself, but you need a miracle. And I believe God has talked to someone about the jailer tonight. Hallelujah. I want you to come. All right, Brother French, help me, help me, help me. Some of you men, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Sister French. Beautiful singing. I love that new song. What's it called? God is great and greatly. Come on, some of you men, ladies, let's gather around right now. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, God. God is great. God is great. Lord, you know my darkness. You know my trouble. You know what I'm facing. Greatly to be praised. Come on. Come on. We got time. We've got time. Oh God, God is great. God is great. God is great in my soul. God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great in my soul. God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great in my soul. God is great. God is great in my soul. God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great in my soul. God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great in my soul. God is great and greatly to be praised. God 
we've got someone ready to be baptized and we need the baptismal team to get ready. We're going to take them up. We'll baptize them right now in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's believe God right now. Lord, break through. Break through our chains. Shake the foundations. Let hell be unnoticed that we are not afraid. We are not stopping. We are not waiting. We are trusting God. We're going to serve God. We're going to do your work. We're going to see the jailer come. We're going to see our neighbor come. Hallelujah. 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 